listeners, and welcome to the May 23rd, 2018 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. The heat is settling into Hong Kong these days, and we're getting accustomed once more to that special kind of rain that comes from the dripping air conditioners above our heads. But while we're dodging Legionnaire's disease, we will be listening to this week's story from our March show by Roshni about two essential parts of life, love and food. Keep listening and hear a second story by Jen from the show 24-7 from May last year. As usual, thanks go out to our listeners all over the world. Special thanks go out to our listeners in Epping, a town in Australia, Bok Giang in Vietnam, and our listeners in Mystic, Connecticut in the USA. Our biggest shout out of thanks goes to our hometown listeners in Hong Kong, though. Thanks for tuning in. Our storytellers have been extra busy this month, getting ready for our three shows this week. The first is Thursday, May 24th, a different kind of show with the theme of Age of Reckoning. Then we have our two showcase shows on Friday, May 25th and Saturday, May 26th, called Top Notch 1 and Top Notch 2. You can find all the details and information on how to get your hands on some tickets on the website, hongkongstories.com. This May marks the very first Hong Kong Spoken Word Festival, a complete extravaganza of spoken word events. We have comedy, podcasting, poetry, and drama. And of course, storytelling. Check it out at hongkongspokenwordfestival.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than comedy. It's better than drama. It's real life. Now our first story by Roshni. She's been on our stage before, and we are more than pleased to have her back. Her story may leave you feeling a little hungry, but it's all worth it. Roshni told this story at our March Live show with the theme of What's Cooking? Here's Roshni. What's cooking? Is an interesting question if I'm asking someone. Not if someone is asking me, because I hate cooking. Yeah, I really hate cooking. In India, if you see, by default, women belong uh, to the kitchen and men to the office. Cooking was the only thing, like, it, it was a certificate for me to get married. Yeah, that's the only thing I required. Yeah. And I remember my mom, my parents, they forced me. Like, you know, they forced me to learn cooking. And the more they forced, the more I got drifted away from cooking. So I secretly decided that I'm not going to be a housemaid for a guy. So the agenda in my list was, the guy should love cooking. So I'm, I, I often used to jump on a few debates uh, of cooking. So on one such occasion, I happened to meet this old lady, and I got onto this debate with her. So she left me in the end with this note saying, imagine you have a blood relationship with your parents and tomorrow with your children, but you will never have the blood relation with that one person and that is your life partner. So the only way to connect with him by blood is that you cook for him daily. Every day of his life, yeah, every day of his life, every day of his life, your meal will be a reason to be connected. I dismissed her totally because I didn't agree to it. 
in some time, uh, after some time, I met this guy, okay, this amazing guy. And I wish that, uh, I wish he would be the love of my life. Like he was smart, handsome, good looking. And I guess possibly he's won all the awards from school to office and also my heart. Yeah, uh, when I met this guy, I remember, you know, I felt as if all the ingredients came together. And in few days, I came to know because of his work, he had to shift to US, leaving me behind forever. Ouch, nothing tasted the same because for he was the spice of my life. I remember my heart sinked into that deep ocean. I took a couple of days to recover from the shock, but he promised me that his love will stay forever. But knowing my past love stories, I knew this beautiful dream will crumple too. <laughs> so I wanted to really fix this, but I didn't know how. I mean, I'm not funny, uh, but things what happens to me makes me funny. I'm not smart or witty, whatever. What should I do that I make a mark in his heart forever? And I've tried all the stunts, believe me, all the stunts. So I suddenly said, I should cook for him. <gasps> Where did that come from? <laughs> I said, I want to cook for that guy. Well, is it in my blood? Or maybe it's forced in my subconscious mind. But anyway, my mind disagreed, but my heart was willing to try. The point was, I was willing to try. But the error I made was a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I consciously made an effort not to listen to my mom, you know, when she was to teach me cooking. So basically, if I thought I am cooking for this guy, I was all alone. No resources because of my strong principles of non-cooking. Yeah, so I was left with only one option. That's Chef Google. So, <laughs> so he was the only person to help me. So I decided I will uh, cook his favorite dish called cauliflower paratha, if you guys know. So really, I didn't know where I was putting myself now. You see, love is so vulnerable, weak, strong. It's so powerful that actually you can go blind. And so did I. So finally, I decided to cook this cauliflower paratha just one hour before my date, overestimating the skills of my cooking. <laughs> yeah. So finally, uh, yeah, the cauliflower paratha was ready. And because of the stupid idea of um, cooking, I actually got late for my date. Anyway, I rushed it. I put this cauliflower paratha in the box, and I rushed to meet him in the park. And there he was standing in front of me. Oh, my God. And I have this cauliflower paratha. And it just struck me. Damn, what a fool I am. I prepared his favorite dish which his mother makes the best. Oh my God, what a stupid mistake. I stepped on my own toes. No, 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 that's not right. The problem was he's already seen the box in my hand. And he said, what's that? I didn't say anything. And he took the box, he opened it, and he touched those warm parathas. And he asked me with surprise, did you make it? I knew that he wanted to say, he wanted me to say yes. I said, yes. And there was a voice of happening right behind this head of mine. If he doesn't like it, then will you ever see him again? I was like, shh. Yeah, yes, I made it. And there he goes. He took the first bite. 
and his hands came more forward to eat the next bite. I was like, I was confused. If he, uh, I mean, if he, he's eating just because I made it, or if he sincerely liked it. I don't know that, I was confused. So anyway, he went on and on, going on eating without stopping. <gasps> oh my God. And I saw his face. His face just bloomed like a lotus flower. <laughs> I knew I scored a good rating there for sure. But yeah, it didn't bother me because I don't know how long the rating will last because he was going to US forever, leaving me behind. But yeah, one thing was clear for me. I knew that I was connected to him, not by blood, but by food. <laughs> so when someone asks me what's cooking, I say, depends whom I'm cooking for. <laughs> <laughs> Roshni's journey to get up on stage was the same as everyone else's at Hong Kong Stories. She came to a free weekly workshop held in Hong Kong, and you can too. We promise that we're a pretty chilled out group, and you'll sound as awesome as Roshni and all our other storytellers by the time we're through. Get details from the website, hongkongstories.com. We know you have a story, and we want to hear it. It is a pretty sweet deal free workshops to improve your public speaking and communication skills? Again, find info on hongkongstories.com. Our second story today is by Jen, who is a regular storyteller and a regular host. In 2017, Jen hosted three different shows. Without our hosts, we couldn't continue to hold our shows, so a big thank you to them. Jen is especially famous as a host because she often brings wonderful cookies to rehearsals. We would love this lady with or without the cookies, but they're so very good. So here from the 24-7 show in May 2017, it's Jen. Hi, I'm Auntie Jen. And spending time with Auntie Jen week is a summertime tradition at my sister's place. Every summer when I go back to Canada, my sister and brother-in-law are really busy running the restaurant. So I get to spend time with their kids. On the second day of Auntie Jen Week last year, my sister's neighbor came over to give her a ride into work. Wow, all day long with two little kids. That's so tiring, neighbor lady says. I'm so glad mine are grown up and out of the house. Oh, no, it's fine. I have a great time. And I look over to the couch and wave to my four-year-old, four-year-old niece, Elliot, and my eight-year-old nephew, Kieran. And they look up from their cartoons and give me a big smile. Besides, they're angels, I say, and they smile even bigger. <sighs> my sister comes out. Oh, before my sister comes out, neighbor later starts asking me about myself and says, don't you have kids of your own? No. Oh, fuck off, I think. <laughs> but I say, no, no, it's great. I love it. I get to spend a week having fun and get all that adoration, and then I have the rest of the year off. It's perfect. Neighbor lady looks skeptical. Oh, I guess. Then my sister comes out and says, I'm ready. What are you guys going to do? Lake yells my nephew. Park yells my niece. And my sister jumps in. Remember, if you take them to the park, you can always take Ellie in the stroller. Oh, it was fine yesterday. 
We, I just gave her a piggyback ride when she got tired. Neighbor lady is shocked. You walked all the way to the park with two little kids? That's a long way. And my sister chimes in. She underestimated. She doesn't have kids of her own. Oh, thanks, sis. So they leave, and we spend the day together and have a fabulous time. We do it all, the lake, the park, board games. And the conversation about my questionable childcare skills does kind of stay at the back of my mind for the day. And it may have made me a little bit more perky than usual, but I don't think the kids noticed. By mid-afternoon, my nephew's had enough and says he's going to go off and read for a while. So I turn to Elliot and say, do you want to make some chocolate chip cookies? Yay, I get to put the stuff in. We start, we preset the oven and then start to make my tried and true chocolate chip cookie recipe. This is the one that I make all the time for the kids that I teach. And it is a huge hit with my friends. This is something that I know I do well. I put Elliot up on the counter so she can help me put things in. She cracks in an egg for me, and I dig the shells out, and then I start mixing. But there's something wrong with the batter. It's not coming together. But I'm not worried because I know we have enough ingredients to start over. Elliot, however, is a little bit put off. What are you doing? Oh, well, we just made a mistake. We're going to start over again. Don't you know how to make chocolate chip cookies? Of course I do. Mommy knows how to make chocolate chip cookies. You can give her a call. It's fine. We don't need to call Mommy. As if I'm going to call my sister and interrupt her working in the kitchen at her restaurant to ask her about a basic cookie recipe, especially after the comments this morning. I'd never hear the end of it. It's fine. I ignore all of Elliot's other questions, and we start on the second batch. This time, as she's putting in the baking powder for me, she takes the baking powder cover spoon and puts it towards her mouth. Oh, Ellie, you don't want to do that. But what do I know? She puts it in anyway. And I can tell from the look on her face immediately she knows she's made a mistake. But she looks me right in the eye, pulls the spoon out, and says, Delicious. Sure. So we survived the egg round this time, but when I put the dry ingredients in, everything looks too dry. Another batch ruined. As I'm staring into the mixing bowl, Elliot says, did you make a mistake again? Yep, looks like it. How does a four-year-old manage to look that patronizing? It's okay, we'll just start all over again. Mommy never throws out cookie stuff. Mommy knows how to make cookies. Just give her a call. We don't need to call. It's fine. And I'm a little bit ashamed about the sharpness in my voice, but it does get her off the topic. So we start the third batch, but she gets bored after adding the sugar this time and goes off to play Legos. Finally, though, third time's the charm, and I have a good batch. I spoon out all the cookies onto the cookie sheet and open up the preheated oven. But it barely feels warm. And then I remember, my sister's oven uses Fahrenheit, not like my Hong Kong oven, which uses Celsius. Oh, well. So I readjust the temperature and leave the cookie tray with the ready-to-bake batch right on the counter. And then I hear a voice behind me. Mommy puts the cookies in the oven when she bakes the cookies. So do I, sweetheart. I just need to let the oven heat up a bit more. 
Mommy doesn't do that. You should give her a call. She can help you. I don't need any help. And then frazzled, and I just want to get her off my back, so I open the oven, put the tray in, and I set the timer for a little bit longer than it needs to be. Fifteen minutes later, the cookies come out. Beautiful golden brown on top, and black as coal on the bottom. (laughs) As I'm staring at them on the cooling rack, I think, why could I not just have stood up to a four-year-old and let the oven heat up? I do have enough batter to make a dozen good cookies, but that is a pathetic result, having used three batches worth of ingredients and been cooking all afternoon. I am a failure as an auntie. This is going to become one of those stories that they tell at family dinners. Remember the time we left Jen, the childless one, alone with the kids for the week? She didn't know when to use the stroller or even how to make a simple batch of cookies that moment, my niece and nephew rush in. Yay, cookies, can we have one? Oh, I don't think you want them, guys. I burnt them. Elliot runs over and grabs one, just a little bit, and she pops the whole thing into her mouth. And as she's trying her hardest to chew her way through this cookie, she looks at me right in the eye and says, delicious. And I realize that as an auntie, I'm doing just fine. Thanks for listening to this story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. If you like what you hear on any of these podcasts, do not hesitate to write us a review or even drop us a line. We would also like to thank our unsung heroes of this story. Gina, who curated and directed our March 2018 show, and Janita, who took care of our 24-7 show. We appreciate all your work. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Now, if you can't make it to a workshop in Hong Kong, you can send us a written story. The stories can be anything at all, as long as they're true, and as long as they're short, and as long as you are the main character. We promise to read them all, and our favorites may be read on future podcasts. Find information on this, past podcasts, photos of our storytellers, and oh, so very much more at hongkongstories.com. Everyone has a story to tell. May your week be filled with citrus drinks, a friendly puppy, and an unexpectedly guilty pleasure.